On today's episode, our all-gay panel reviews It's a Sin and discusses whether straight actors should be playing gay characters. What up, what up, listeners? Welcome to the You Better Represent podcast, where we each week we explore representation in cinema by reviewing a minority-led film with members of that underrepresented community and debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. Of course, because it is Pride Month, we are doing all gay movies this month. And joining me for today's show is a super talented gay comedian, actor, writer, and filmmaker, Robert Watson. And uh, he will be a part of the review shortly. Now, let's just jump in to the review. And here is a synopsis of It's a Sin, which is available now on HBO Max or in Canada. It is available on Crave. It's a Sin is a chronicle of four friends during a decade in which everything changed, including the rise of HIV-AIDS. It was re- it was created by Russell T. Davies, who's famous for Doctor Who and Torchwood, and it stars Ollie Ag- Alexander as Richie, Omari Douglas as Roscoe, Lydia West as Jill, Callum Scott Howells as Colin Morris-Jones, and uh, also a special appearance from some famous people you may know, Stephen Fry and Neil Patrick Harris. Um, so let's head on over to uh, Robert for his non-spoiler reactions. And uh, Robert, uh, what aspect of this series resonated with you or upset you the most? And would you recommend It's a Sin? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I would recommend this to watch. It, I mean, it's a depiction of... AIDS, HIV in 1980s England, which I find uh, interesting for me to watch particularly because all of my information about the AIDS epidemic in the 80s and early 90s really came out of like San Francisco or New York. So seeing it from this point of view from uh, from England was really interesting mm. for me. And uh, I mean, I love I'm I'm an Anglophile. I love anything that's coming out of England, if it's Downton Abbey or yeah. whatever, anything comes out of England with English accents, I'm <laughs> loving it. So uh, but I was really, I was into it. I was, I was quite into it in regards to its um, depiction. And I thought it was a really good, earnest mm. uh, depiction of what it was like back then. Okay, great. Yeah, and you know, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I will say, I probably liked the first three episodes more. I'm a very character-driven person, and um, you know, this is a uh, non-spoiler section of the review, so I won't say too much. But I will say that uh, the last couple episodes, I liked it a little bit less. But just for the first three episodes alone, I wholeheartedly recommend it to everybody. I mean, if you're a little bit worried that it's a little bit depressing, well, you know, get over yourselves because sometimes life is depressing and this is worth it. I guarantee you this is worth it. And uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, I I mean, come. Compared to like some of the plays that came mm. out of the 80s and 90s that talk about AIDS, it's like those kind of things were all doom and gloom. And one thing I think that uh, Russell T. Davies uh, does well, and, and this is this is the same guy who created the the uh, Queer as Folk, the British mm. version, back in the early uh, like sort of mid mid 90s, and uh, you know he he doesn't shy away from the joy that 
can still exist within all of this sorrow. And I thought he captured that very well, particularly in those first three episodes. We're seeing these people living their lives and trying to be joyful. And of course, that makes, you know, what happens later on all that more mm. impactful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, to all our listeners, this is your official spoiler warning. That was the non-spoiler portion. But now we're going into full spoilers. If you have not seen It's a Sin, then uh, prepare to be spoiled. So let's head back to to Robert. So let, let's dig in on, um, you know, on on sort of the 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 the, um, the structure of those five episodes. Like, were there any like how, maybe let's start at the beginning. How, how do you think the, the series, um, you know, did it have good momentum at the beginning? Did it grip you right away or was it a slow burn that took you a little bit of a while? I mean, the show's five episodes, so a slow burn, you can't really <laughs> afford it so much. Um, but, uh, like, I, I mean, our entryway into this world was through Richie, who's played by Ollie Alexander, who's uh, probably best known as being the lead singer of Years and Years, yeah. which is a fantastic uh, British pop band. Check them out. I love I love their songs. They came and played Pride Toronto uh, a few years back, and uh, I was one of those people in the crowd going, woo, woo, wow. you know, uh, <laughs> But he was, he's sort of the key into it, and automatically uh, it's his friendship with Jill that sort of, like, ignites the entire storyline. And, of course, they end up, by moving in together, creating this group of friends that are just, that bond immediately. And it, it really does create that world where you're wanting to watch what happens to these characters. And, of course, there's you know, we, we know going into this that this is an AIDS mm-hmm. uh you know, period piece. So, so there's that element of like, oh, I wonder which one of these characters is going to catch HIV. Mm-hmm. You know, so that 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 hovers over the over the entire time. Uh, to me, with middling levels of success, because there is a sensational aspect to that, which I found sort of sort of interesting to follow, because it is in the back mm-hmm. of your mind, no matter what you're watching on the screen. Um, but not necessarily a distraction. But yeah, I, I thought. I thought it built up quite well to those final two episodes where things start really hitting yeah. hard. What did, what did you think of sort of the format of how it was covering a full decade and each episode sort of skipped skipped a few years and then we catch back up with our uh, protagonist? Yeah, I, I, you know, thinking on from like purely a filmmaker looking at the point of view, like did they cover a decade really well in regards to like the, the scenic design and costume design? Uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. It, there was when it came to these characters, it almost felt like they could have like existed at any time, and perhaps that's because these are all all the actors are are millennials, you know. <laughs> so there's that element. There's something that made it feel like very now at the same time, just because of that. And that's not a detraction, but it's just it it made it uh it made it interesting to be like, okay, we're watching a whole decade. And what's interesting is I I read that Russell T Davies was was. Like they were talking to us, like okay, so the the first series, the first season is going to be 1981, and then the next season is going to be next year. And Russell T was like, uh, "No, we're just going to do this in five episodes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's you know, it's it it it's really interesting. Um, you know, the the five episodes. You know, I, I actually think they they covered quite a bit of ground. I it, at first it, it took me a little bit out of it when they were jumping um, several years. Uh, and especially mm. in the second episode, because I didn't really know that's what was going to happen, so I thought it was going to pick up straight up after the first episode. So that was a little bit jarring. But once mm. I knew that's what what they were doing, kind of got into it. 
Uh, I would say I'm I'm definitely very very character driven. Like for me, um, you know, you know, like I I sort of put movies in into two buckets. Either you know it's plot driven or character driven. Obviously, sometimes it's it's both, but usually there there's a focus on one or the other. So for me, it's all about gravitating toward characters, and I I really gravitated toward Colin, who of course only lasted you know oh not not too many episodes. I forget if if he lasted two or three episodes, but it. It was it wasn't enough episodes, and um, you know the tough thing for me was that um, Richie, the main character, um, I just didn't connect with him very well, and it, I do think part of that is because you know he had you know that bit of uh, you know internalized homophobia. You know, he was, he was going through that struggle. Mm-hmm. And now I, I will say, though, it's like his character motivations made sense. It was a well-written character. He had an overall arc. So I'm not complaining about the character itself. But do I gravitate toward a character who, um, you know, has that type of internalized homophobia? Not quite as much. Um, I think I liked the joy from from Colin. I also loved um, I loved mm-hmm. uh, Amari Douglas as Roscoe. I I think he was oh my gosh yes he was just fabulous the whole way through. You know obviously have to uh, have to give a shout out to uh, Nathaniel Curtis as Ash. You know the the um, you know I, I am happy that uh, that a uh, queer series is including um, is including uh, somebody of Asian descent because you know like we talk about. Russell T. Davies, mm-hmm. and I know he did the he did the British version of Queer as Folk, but I always remember the um, the American version of Queer as Folk. They only had one Asian on in like five years, and it was like a Japanese prostitute who like overdosed and died in the same episode. Oh my gosh! So, okay, yeah. I have to I have to make an admission about something with that. I actually uh, <laughs> this, this is this, this is talking about how 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 things have changed and how horrible things were. I auditioned for Queer as Folk, uh, the American version, back in the day, and. I got called in for a part that was being aud- mainly auditioned for by by Asian men. Uh, they're all straight Asian men, and then I was this one uh, gay white guy. Uh, and they ended up giving the role to me after they went through oh. all these Asian people. It was supposed to be an Asian character playing the role, but they gave it to me. And I, you know, I was a, like very young. <laughs> Let's put that. I don't want to say. I don't want to say how old it was. Yeah. But you know, like even like looking back now, it's like that wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. I, I was in the midst midst of this. But I mean, when I look at casting, it's like wow, like so arbitrarily they make decisions, and they didn't. You know, in so many cases, they just don't try yeah. hard enough. So you're right. It really was good to see that in this uh, series. A nice change. Yeah. No, times are definitely changing for sure. For sure. Um, I and um, yeah, and we and um, we'll definitely get more into into uh, into uh, into representation and and all that and. Um, because that is definitely a, a, a huge part of, of the conversation um, around this around the series for sure. Um, one thing I will say with characters, and you know, I might get some flack for this, but I, I didn't understand the ending um, and also the focus on Jill and his mom. I just felt like you know throughout this whole series, Jill seemed to be like the audience surrogate, um, where you know. Mm-hmm. It was like she was sort of the 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 um, the uh, glue that held the series together. And listen, the the, the actor um, the actor uh, Lydia West, she did great, but it just seemed like they were telling these gay stories through her eyes. And you know, in the final episode, is about yeah. her pain of not seeing her friend, and then it was about the mom um, going through her journey. And I was like. 
but that's not like that's not what I want to see to end and I think that's why I really didn't like the last episode and then I what I really didn't like about the last episode was they were like shaming the mom so hardcore and I'm okay with them shaming her because of how she treated him and kept him away from his friends. I was like, okay, cool. That was not mm-hmm. cool. But shaming her for not knowing he was gay, I was like, is that really the thing that she's doing wrong here? Like, she's doing a whole lot more wrong. <laughs> and like... Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, that's like down on the list. Yeah, I'm like, of all the things, <laughs> like, you're screaming at her because, you know, first they had that random new character come in out of nowhere and be like, bitch, you should have known. And then, you know, and then Jill is like, bitch, you should have known. And I'm like, you're yelling at her for that? Like, this woman literally, like, locked up her son and didn't let anybody see him as he died. But you care that, like, she didn't figure out the clues, even though you were lying to her the whole time? I was like, come on now. That is not even the biggest issue here. Why? It just seemed like a really weird plot point to end the series on was about how the mom should have known. I was like, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, it's it's interesting. These accusations, like processing grief is is something and and i thought we we saw a lot of that in the last episode and people processing grief in a way that it's not productive uh particularly uh in richie's mom who like hides him away keeps him from their friends even when they move into the same town to be like no we are here to see him and she doesn't even reveal the mom doesn't even reveal that richie wanted to see them until he's already passed away Mm -hmm. which is just heart-wrenching um I, I don't know what was necessarily intended then, but you're right. There is this, like, why did they grasp onto that when there's so many more awful things? And, of course, this is an example that that is being depicted that happened a lot, where parents swooped oh. in, took their gay adult children dying of AIDS, denied them access to their partners, their loved ones, their friends, their chosen family. And, like, I, I mean, I was seething watching it. But at the same oh. time, you're right. It's like, why did they go after her for that? There's You're right. There's just so much more. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was just weird to me. I think too, it's like they simultaneously focused too much on Jill, but then also didn't make her a real character. Like she was basically a plot device to um, to uh, to advance the other characters' narratives, but she doesn't actually have a character arc of her own. She kind of starts as the same person she is at the end. So it's like, you're both pissing me off because you're giving her so much screen time and she's the mirror reflection you're telling the story through. And then you also make her a wooden character that like exists solely to service the male character. So there's just, there's just so much wrong with, with what they've done with this Jill character. I, I really don't understand. Like, obviously, you know, a quote unquote, like, I don't know if, if it's, if it's kosher to say the word anymore, but the, the term fag hag, um, I, I don't know if. Yeah. That, I mean, that name's coming up in my head right now too. So yeah, thanks so, for <laughs> so like, okay, you know, yes, they're a real thing. Yes. They're really important during that time. So either make her more of a character um, and give her more of an arc or make her step back and let it be more through the eyes of the gay characters. But don't don't both make her a wooden character um, with no arc, and then give her all the screen time. And it was it was weird. It was weird. I was that was my main thing. Um, but I will say I feel like yeah. I'm nitpicking because the first three episodes I thought were just golden, and then like I said. When Colin died, and then they just focused on the female characters who didn't even get any development. I was like, okay, this is, this is, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know where it's going. Yeah, 
and it, and it's not like we didn't need the female characters. They weren't. They they sh- they didn't need. Shouldn't feel extraneous yeah. to to the these four gay men. But you're right. I mean, they paint. Uh, I mean, I thought Lydia did a great job uh, portraying the character of Jill as best as she could. But you're right. The writing in there was sort of like she's this like the the fruit fly saint mm. of of this. Like she could like I don't. There's not a point where she had a fault or yeah. or had had something that didn't associate with just with particularly Richie's story. She was there to, to push his story along. Yeah. Now, you know, let's, let's, let's bring it back and, and personalize it a little bit. Like what, what on, on like the representation side and the resonance, you know, as a gay man watching this, like how, what emotions were you experiencing? Um, and did it resonate and uh, you know, help you help you to reflect on any parts of your real life? I, yeah, well, okay, first thing I need to say, one spoiler that we need to know, and this is something that's a requirement in anything that's gay that I watch, is, like, is the sexuality in the show uh, realistic, mm. you know? And, I, you know, here's a spoiler, like, yes, you're going to see some some male flesh, you're going to see some making out, you're going to see some sex, <laughs> and that's something I think, you know, that for... You know, the gay men out there watching watching a show that want they want to respect them like, yes, I want to see some of that. And so and you know, done done really well too. Uh and I, I mean I'm I didn't live through uh through the AIDS epidemic, but I was on the other side of it where people were terrified of sex still, mm. you know. Um it's this is, you know, pre prep and uh just the knowledge that we have now about about AIDS and HIV. Um and I, but I do remember, you know, coming out and just, you know, this kind of idea that my parents were afraid for me, not because they thought, you know, they had a whole, all sorts of religious reasons, mm. but like they were afraid for me because mm. of what gay sex meant to them. And, and in a lot of cases, it was still meaning a death sentence mm. or a, a change of life that, that meant you weren't going to be healthy. You weren't going to live as long. Um, so, you know, seeing that and, and seeing the possibility that parents and they, and, you know, still were when I was in the, coming out and, you know, who knows in what communities they still do it now where people come in and they swoop in take their children away. And it's like you erase their entire oh. uh, personality as a gay person uh, before they die, which is like, that's so heinous in yeah. my opinion. It's so weirdly fucked up, but it, 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 that hit me hard actually, to be quite honest. As I, I, when I came out, there was that potential in my mind that my parents could disown mm. me. So seeing seeing that uh, did it, yeah, I, and I thought it was done reasonably reasonably well. As much as the that last part of the reaction to his to Richie's death and everything was sort of weird, I was emotionally not traumatized, but definitely I saw weirdly some of myself mm-hmm. in that, and like, and how how would I have dealt in that situation if I were back a decade or more than, than the age I yeah. am, you know? Yeah, I would say, like, like first of all, in terms of representation, Russell T. Davies is queer, and he is telling a queer story, which is, you know, definitely progress, definitely progress. Um, <laughs> I think as far as representation of that era, you know, like, like similar to you, I, I wasn't of age in that era. I think I had just been born and in, you know, in the early 80s. And so, you know, I don't totally know how representative it is. I, I will say, you know, it, it was eye-opening on a few aspects of, you know, like I, I didn't realize that um, gay men were considered such a risk that they couldn't get mortgages without lying. And it's like, you know, when, uh-huh. when, when, when you think about it, it makes 
sense because like we know all the other types of bigotry they had to face it just you know sometimes you yeah. don't like intellectually apply it to like very practical daily things like you know getting a mortgage or owning things or, or things like that having credit um so that was that was eye opening. I, I I do think too like like one thing I, I did hear. So um, the listeners you don't know one of my best friends is 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 an HIV survivor, um, or and um, he you know I I I actually watched the series with him, which is why I'm I'm bringing it up. And you know he he was mm. very emotional he, from from his perspective. He he did say that it was. Uh, it was pretty realistic, you know, if not the actual details and like the the um, the uh, the uh, feelings and sort of just just the mood they were yeah. presenting. Um, so they, they sort of capture that. Uh, the, the one thing that, that he said that they, they weren't willing to do on the show was, um, you know, I, I should have looked this up, but, you know, um, those uh, the uh, yeah, those, those, those lesions. He he said that. Um, that, you know, uh, probably for TV, but what they weren't willing to show was, like, um, was, you know, uh, quite often it was around the the eyes or the eyelids. Like, it, it was in, it was in places that were quite, 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 uh, quite uh, grotesque and, and quite painful in uh-huh. a way that this show didn't really depict. It was always, like, you know, in, in, you know, maybe it's a makeup artist thing. It was just easier to put it on a place with like lots of skin, but it was generally closer to like to like you know to to skin openings, like you know mouth, eyes, and what oh, he wow. said was definitely around the eyes. Like sometimes you couldn't even open your eyelids anymore because it just like took those areas. And oh, and I, I think he he said what what that takes away from the show is you know like sure they did show that lesions were invisible areas. But they didn't show the grotesqueness that it could leave somebody, and how that really would, you know, sap sap people of their confidence. Like they wouldn't even want to leave no, the house. Um, and so, you know, I would say uh, on the representation side, I think that is one area that uh, that I I've, I've since learned that they they didn't really go there. Um, but uh, you know, as, as as a gay man, I for me is more educational, and you know, I I don't want to. You know, yeah, go agree. too far, like, you know, I, I can say whether it was representative or not. But, you know, I, I will say it is nice that the, that the creator was was queer. Um, I actually ha- had an argument with somebody recently. Um, it was a really bizarre argument uh, because for me it was just so obvious. But I was looking for um, – so it was one of my friends' birthdays um, who is who, uh-huh. who's a gay man, and I was looking for, like, gay literature – and so I was, you know, asking people I knew and, you know, one of my, um, someone in my life reads a lot of books and I, I asked them and they suggested a book. And then um, just out of nowhere, I just, you know, just to make sure I was like, oh, but I was like, this is written by somebody who's queer. Right. And they were like, no, but it's a, it's a, it's a gay lead character. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I don't count that as gay literature. And then we got into this whole argument about, like, you know, people should be able to write, you know, whatever characters. And they're like, yes, that's true. Like, I'm not saying this book shouldn't exist. I just wouldn't put it in the gay literary section. Like, obviously, you know, a gay person can have straight characters in their novel. Like, it's the same as the reverse. But, like, yeah. 
you know, anyway, um, which uh, which kind of takes us into our into our um, next uh, next segment, which is uh, is related to it's a sin. So what we want to do each each week or or, or each each other week um, is, uh, you know, from the film that we're reviewing to sort of take an aspect out of there and sort of debate it on its own. So, um, well, one question that really came out of watching It's a Sin and sort of what's going on with Hollywood right now is, should straight actors be able to play gay characters or, you know, LGBTQ plus characters? I know there's a lot of discussion around trans characters as well being played by, um, by, um, by uh, cisgendered uh, actors. So let's, uh, let's get your thoughts on that, mm-hmm. Robert. Uh, well, just to address, like, a, a transgender character, in my opinion, uh, in 2021 should be played by a transgender actor, 100%, uh, because it's about, it is about representation at that point. And uh, there, you know, if you look at Hollywood and just, and just marginalization in our society in general, I think uh, we bet we all benefit from seeing uh, transgender characters played by transgender actors. It just yeah. makes sense. I do think that straight playing gay uh, is a little bit more nuanced mm-hmm. and complicated. Um, you know, the funny side for me is that it's like, well, if Henry Cavill wants to play a gay character <laughs> and he's going to be making out and shirtless with other men, I'm like, yeah, I want to see that film or TV show or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Because as gay men, we all have our, you know, like there's all sorts of... Uh, you know, whether it's fan fiction about Superman yeah. or whatever, it's like these gay stories exist in the zeitgeist for, for us. So the idea of seeing us, us, you know, perceived straight character or, or you know, straight actor playing one of these roles, um, I'm interested. But then we have the other side of it, which I think, uh, you know, is what happens when you cast James Corden in a gay role. Mm-hmm. And that creates something different entirely because, I mean... It really depends on how how you know if if a straight person is going to play, they gotta they gotta play it with a certain amount of respect. Which I, in the case of the prom and James Corden, I didn't really think. What did you think about about that? You know, it's it's interesting because for me, it doesn't sound harsh, but I feel like James Corden plays a gay character every night on late night TV. I <laughs> I know I was surprised <laughs> when I found him straight. I, I was like, I don't, is it the British <laughs> thing? I don't I don't really know. Like you know, I I know he has like a wife and kids, but you know, so did my first two boyfriends. Yeah. So who knows about that? But it's like, <laughs> just to be clear, they had a wife and kids after we broke up. Not I I did not um, do any home wrecking in my youth. But um, <laughs> I don't know why I qualified that within my youth because now I'm you know people are gonna think oh well when he grew up he did lots of home wrecking anyway. All bets are off. Let's let's move on before I get myself in a, into more trouble. Um, I think for me. It's interesting because I feel like in a perfect world, yeah, anybody should be able to play anybody, but it's not a perfect world. And, you know, I go back to the example of Rupert Everett, where he was getting lots of roles, even in romantic comedies. As soon as he came out, oh, (laughs) next thing you know, he's only got gay roles. So it's like, you know, I don't know, for, see, with the James Corden thing and where, where straight actors are really starting to piss me off right now is like they're complaining that you know they're getting canceled and they can't play gay roles and i'm like they're 
complaining, even though, like, clearly with James Corden, he just played a gay character. Like, it hasn't been taken away from them yet. They're complaining and they're outraged because they might lose this privilege. Like, it's like, it's, it, ha it hasn't even yeah. happened yet. But they're, like, outraged because they might be able to not do something. And I was, I'm just more like, where's the outrage when Rupert Everett was no longer able to play straight characters when he came out? Like, wh where was the same outrage for that shit? <laughs> so for me, it's like, yes, in a perfect world, I would love where it didn't matter. But the the world's not perfect. And as long as there's inequality one way, um, I just don't think it's fair that it only... You know, it's basically forcing people to, to stay in the closet because we have multiple examples of people who really felt pressured to. And, you know, honestly, when mm -hmm. they did come out, they were pigeonholed. They they were right to fear that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like, like I said, all the outrage from straight people because someday they might lose the ability to play these people, I think is ridiculous and getting elevated and people don't have that same amount of outrage for what's actually happening, which is, you know, out gay men and um, other LGBTQ people not being able to play, um, you know, not being able to play straight roles now, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we're, we're at this time, we're at a time where, like, right now, like, you hear that, say, Scarlett Johansson has been cast in a role that was always written for an oh, Asian God. woman. We are get we are there, and I think when it comes to visible minorities, it really it, like it really should be unacceptable whitewashing these characters that are written as just because you got some sort of oh well we've got ScarJo is willing to is waiting for a role oh well she's famous let's put let's make it let's rewrite things so it's like that kind of stuff that's sort of disgusting oh. uh, in 2021 as it was even decades ago but like it was more acceptable then it shouldn't be acceptable now I do think we're gonna see a bit more of it's like no let's get it there are more gay actors now I mean Russell T writing um, queer as folk he said you know like there are no gay actors in that with the exception of one uh one of the minor characters mm. played by uh an out gay actor uh and he's like we couldn't have we couldn't have found the right people for the role if we looked at the time and i'm like mm, maybe try mm. harder but um you know and he said it's a, he it felt great that he could finally cast gay actors in gay roles especially you know uh from uh different backgrounds as well that would have been even harder in the yeah. in the 90s to do um so, I mean, there's progress. I think we've got further to go. I, I mean, I like I said, I don't mind seeing straight people playing uh, gay characters, but you can't do it as poorly <laughs> as someone like James Gordon did, you know? Yeah, you know, <laughs> one myth they want to break down in Hollywood, this whole thing of, you know... Uh, you know, we're we're taking this person because they're they're a bigger star. Like, there there's so many there's so many things wrong with that. First, it, it's like like first of all, it, they don't actually mean that because so when we go back to whitewashing a representation, it's like um, it's it, it's not just like famous people like Scarlett Johansson taking roles from Asians. Mm -hmm. It's like you know whenever they have a movie about like you know. Uh, like you know there's like there's like that typical um asian character it's like the i'll call it uh the uh chosen one it's always like this young phenom um who is like you know probably like five years old or something and then it becomes like some master of something even that they're gonna they cast like a white kid so you can't tell me that random bitch white kid is more famous and gonna bring in more box office like there was that movie like avatar the last airbender okay so you're gonna 
casting Asian Monk as like a little white kid, and it's like, okay, so wait, like that kid's not Scarlett Johansson. Like, you, you can't tell me he's gonna bring in more box office. Like, so for me, it's just an yeah. excuse about this whole star thing. And of course, if you never cast these people, then they're never gonna become stars. And, um, but I do have hope because listen, I don't have hope in people, but I have hope in money. And one thing we've seen in the past few years is a lot of these movies that aren't casting the right people are bombing at the box office. And I actually think that's mm -hmm. more important than anything else we can do. Like, you know, that, you know, whatever that weird gods of Egypt thing or, you know, or that oh Scarlett God. Johansson movie, <laughs> um, the, uh, the anime one uh, where she played major whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, even the talk about Soul, that the animated movie, and you know who is voicing what, and and what's behind that. Like, people are paying attention yeah. more than ever about the representation, about who's who's the voice behind this character, and it is authenticity is more important than ever. Okay. And yeah, you're right. It's only hopefully it's only going to keep improving. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know there is there's that spectrum of it because. You know, now we go on to, like you said, with the voice acting, and that that's a whole other thing. And I was actually having this argument with with a with a fellow Asian um, comedian who who's actually also a voice actor, and they they really felt like any person should be able to play any race. And what you know, what my feeling was was that I actually think you know, I you know, I don't know if this is is gonna come off you know racist or not, but. I will say, like, I, like so, you know, there, there's different movies now, like uh, this weekend, Raya and the Last Dragon came out, you know, in previous times, there's Mulan and, and such. And I will say, like, I grew up around in a school that was like 90% Asian and, um, you know, my, and it's, I was surrounded by Asians and I can, like, I, I can tell, like, I, I don't know how to say where it doesn't sound racist, but you can actually tell a little bit whether it's it's an Asian or it's like a non-Asian making an Asian accent. Like, I, I don't really know. Even, even if they okay. don't have an accent, there's, there's certain things that, I don't know, or maybe it's just my imagination, but I, I feel like their Asians do sound a little bit different. And if you've grown up around Asians, you do notice, like, when... Like, like, I remember watching Mulan when I was young and I was like, oh, they actually got an Asian actor because, like, I could hear the Asianness in her voice. And like, I, I don't know if that sounds mm -hmm. racist or something that you can hear race in somebody's voice, but I feel like you can. And so even from an authenticity perspective for people of that region, I do think you can hear it. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's racist to say that that at all. I mean, you see, even a show like The Simpsons reckoning with how mm -hmm. they've had, you know, Harry Shearer or Hank Azaria doing voices that are not their ethnicity. Uh, you know, particularly with the character of Apu, but now they're talking uh, Dr. Hibbard as well, and they're like, no, we want like. I think if, if The Simpsons is, is you know, like I said, 2021, maybe it's, you know, it's been around for so many years and, you know, they're just now, you know, nearing the end of their, the run of this show, deciding to make these changes. But, you know, whenever I see that on social media, like that's another point of saying, hey, uh, acknowledging 
uh, a wrong and trying mm. to fix it. I don't know if that's my white optimism <laughs> talking, and maybe I need to I need to dig a little deeper to behind that. And I and I know there's you know you you, you know Dr. Hibbard now being voiced by a black man, all the world's problems are solved. No, <laughs> uh, but. But you know, yeah. like it's these small steps in the right direction that hope, hopefully will open a uh, a floodgate. Yeah. I, I think, and and you're right, like because you 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 can tell the difference between a caricature and the yeah. real, and someone earnestly portraying uh, a role that is you know from another country or with a different accent or something like yeah. that. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I hope to see see more progress progress in that in that way. Mm. Is my hope, uh, you, you know, and for for gay care like it's like well this is a gay character it needs to be voiced by a gay person in this cartoon i'm like okay well i mean maybe yes but just i mean just don't make us sound like a stereotype is is what i'm asking yeah um, absolutely you know if you're if it's a white person playing a white gay man and they happen to be straight i'm going to be looking at the performance and also maybe looking at how they are an ally outside of their performance you know like i suddenly find out that christopher pratt oh lord doing a gay role or playing a gay character and even if he does a good job and be like no that guy's trash <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm not gonna be happy regardless so you know there, there's so many things to consider but in the end i think really in the future it's going to be best for these companies to just put the right person in the right role according to the character yeah absolutely 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 the the only rabbit hole i'm i'm a bit afraid of is it's like if you're then saying that you know we want queer actors to play queer roles but then somebody's not comfortable being out yet i don't it it does open like a can of worms of like how much personal information do you need to know about actors it's i don't know i Mm. I don't think it's. It's tricky. I don't think yeah. it's, it's super simple, but you know, life life is complicated, and I, I feel like there there are solutions where it's not just straight people can play anything, gay people can only play gays, and you know, we're gonna go with that. Like, I feel like there's a better yeah. solution than that, um, but we, you know. I- I do think we need to stop giving awards to straight people who play gay roles, though, as if it's, like, groundbreaking. I'm tired of that, you know? Like, I think Dallas Buyers Club should be the last movie where they gave an award to a straight person playing playing gay. And, in fact, you know, Jared, Jared Leto probably should not have been playing a transgender character in that movie. There was There's actors to play that. But, like, really going forward... You know, the idea that James Corden got a Golden Globe nom for playing the role oh he did in, in The Prom, I'm, I'm like rolling my eyes, eyes, holding back the throw up in my mouth <laughs> when I hear that kind of stuff, you know? But so like, yes, like, let's let's keep it changing. Let's stop awarding people for the ground. Oh, my God. He pretended he liked a man. Oh, my God. Give him all the awards. I'm like, gag, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.